If you have a Bible, you can open up to Genesis chapter 2. We'll also be in Mark 2, as well as a few other places. Uh, Let's pray this morning. Um, Lord, we just come to this place. Um, My heart, my desire, my intention is with hearts open to receive, um, knowing that you are good, that you are kind, and that you have something for us in this place. So I pray that we can quiet our hearts, um, pray that our minds can be just still and ready to listen and to learn from you, Um, and I think there's a lot of benefit that we can get today from what you want to share. In Jesus' name we pray these things, amen. Amen. Well, believe it or not, um, we are winding down our series called A New Way to Be Human. In fact, uh, last week, Michael um, did the second-to-last teaching uh, on worship in that section of just like everything we've been going through from the inward disciplines, the outward disciplines, the corporate disciplines. And in two weeks from now, Carson's going to finish us off on a teaching of celebration, aka Christians should party better. Right, Carson? Uh, That is the title of his teaching, so uh, stay tuned for that. But for the next two weeks, I get the privilege of taking a bit of a detour, and this morning we get to talk about a discipline that is, in my opinion, very much needed, yes, and very much underappreciated. You're going to appreciate this one today with a young one, I know it, absolutely. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, Sabbath and Sabbath rest. And if you didn't know, there is a cultural need for Sabbath. How many of you, possibly this morning, had an awkward conversation already here at Redeemers, or here in the last, I don't know, couple of weeks or months where it went something like this? How are you doing today? I'm good, but I'm busy. Well, that's a good one. I always say I'm good, but I'm tired. (laughs) Maybe it's just because I have four kids, right? I am good, but I am tired. Tired. Our culture is tired, isn't it? It's worn out, exhausted. I mean, we're bombarded with emails and texts and phone calls. You might leave this place after just an hour and already see that dreaded red number on the corner of your email box that says 15, 20, or if you're my wife, 2,000 unread emails. (laughs) It drives me nuts. (laughs) I can't even look at her phone. Everything is pressing. Everything is urgent in our life right now. As business owners, you might feel this. At dinner time or even 6 a.m. in the morning, your phone is blowing up. Clients feel they can contact you at any time of the day for any need because they are the most important, pressing thing, obviously, in your life because you would have nothing else possibly going on around, say, I don't know, dinner or 6 in the morning. And we're tired. In addition to that, you battle the monotony of doing the same thing over and over again. And somehow, laundry breeded in the laundry room. (laughs) Except for the socks, they're still missing. And it just feels like this endless, tireless list. Homework is eternal. Things break, they require fixing, and then you fix them again. 
And I want you to consider this idea here this morning. We have vacations. We have the ability to work from home. We have computers that do a lot of work for us. I do my bank deposits on my cell phone. There are DoorDash deliveries, and Fred and Meyer will even have somebody else do your grocery shopping for you. But we still feel exhausted, depleted, worn out, and like there's not enough time in the day. And as a culture... Whether you subscribe to some sort of a belief in a deity or not, we are tired and worn out and we're looking for answers. And we have this inner craving, this deep embedded desire for a sense of rest. And will we ever get it? The rat race just keeps spinning. We're exhausted, yet we're told to just march on. And it can feel a little bit like inhaling with no sign of exhaling. If you're comfortable enough to do an exercise with me, I just want to ask you to participate in this. To take in a breath. Don't let it out. Suck it in again. Keep sucking it in. Keep sucking it in. Like it's your wedding day. Keep sucking it in. And you feel... Now you can let it out. I don't want you to pass out. You can feel the tension when you do that, when you suck in and you keep breathing it in, and that's like our work week. That's like our life right now. It feels tight. It feels tense. It feels like I need some sort of release, some sort of relief. And just like in taking a breath, when you exhale and let it out, that is much like what I'm going to be talking about this morning, this idea of Sabbath rest. From the chaos, from the busyness, whether it's good or bad, Busyness isn't in itself inherently evil. We're to be productive kinds of people God intended and wired us that way. To do, to create, to make, to cultivate. That's not necessarily by any means a bad thing. But there needs to be these moments in our life when we let the breath out and we enjoy from sucking in the air all week long. We need rest. We need rest. Physical rest, mental rest. We need the ability to let down. This idea of rest, ceasing from labor, is to rejuvenate your physical body and the mind for personal health and deepening trust in God. Psychologytoday.com says this about rest. Rest is required for life. Why? One reason to survive Rest takes up more of your life than food and is every much as necessary. You need rest to grow and regenerate, to learn and experience the fullest passion. In other words, to live. But people don't get rest. They don't get it in two senses. They don't get enough of it to optimally regenerate their bodies. And they don't understand, listen, they don't understand what rest is and what rest does to fully enjoy life, to truly vacation, to truly remember, learn, think, and become wise, you need to know how to rest. Well, guess what? The Bible actually talks about this. It draws attention to this reality that God created us as human beings, not human machines. And we actually need some kind of rest. And it's filled with an invitation this morning to Sabbath. 
to rest. Now, if you grew up in mainstream church and you hear the word Sabbath, uh, you think of maybe a Jewish practice, or you think of some really weird Christian friends that don't hang out with you on Saturday. That's just kind of where your, your mind might go with that. And I want to do some work. I think it'll be helpful for us for a biblical understanding of what it means when it says to rest. So in Genesis chapter 2, God has created, God has made, and it gets into the section where it says in chapter 2, verse 1, thus the heavens and the earth were finished all the host of them. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested, or sabbat, on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because it on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, skip down to verse 15. It says, The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Now, these things are going to be connected, and I want to talk to you why they are connected. But first, this first word that's used concerning rest is the word sabbat, to Sabbath. And what that means, it has this basic understanding of ceasing, coming to an end. If you work an hourly job, Think about when you clock out of your shift and you're done. Feels really good, doesn't it? It's over until you clock back in. So in this passage of scripture, God has, in a sense, ceased from his labor. He's done. The celebration begins. The rest happens. It's like at the end of the NBA finals and the champagne is popping for whatever team won because they completed the season. Their work has been done for that year. And there's this victory that's had. If you're a parent and you put your infant down and they start to actually sleep, you Sabbath, in a sense. You celebrate as you rest. We did it. We made it. Praise God. You kick up your feet. You have dinner. You enjoy your time with one another. So there's this idea of Sabbath this morning that I want you to understand, and it's that of ceasing from labor. You're not working. Now, the next way that this idea comes up in Scripture is in Genesis 2.15, and it's the word nuach. It's actually where Noah's name comes from. If you're familiar with the Genesis story, his name literally meaning rest. Now, in Genesis 2.15, it says God took man, and the word is he nuach. He put him in the garden, literally meaning God rested him in the garden. This is different. This is about presence. This is not the same as clocking out of an hourly job. But it's actually enjoying the presence of one another. Tim Mackey, incredible Hebrew Bible scholar from the Bible Project, wrote this. God sets up Shabbat and Nuach around the same time. In the Bible's account of creation, God works six days creating the world, and he rests on the seventh. After six days of bringing order to chaos, now it is time to stop to Shabbat, Sabbath, from his work. But only a few verses later, we read that God creates humans and immediately rested them or settled them with himself in the Garden of Eden. It seems like the idea of Shabbat and Nuach are meant to work together. God leads by example, saying, I want you to rest and I want you to dwell with me as my people, Shabbat and Nuach. And they carry these two meanings, ceasing from labor and having presence with God. 
Now, we don't know for how long, but early on in the Genesis story, you have God in Eden where he placed man in this beautiful garden. And there they enjoyed God's presence. But at some point, humanity, Adam and Eve, they decide to do things on their own terms. We're going to take life into our own hands and claiming independence from God and wrestling what should be his away from him and saying, we actually think we can do life better than you. So we're going to go outside of you for knowledge. We're going to go outside of you for a better way to be human. We're going to find other ways to bring restful presence into our lives. That is not explicit in the text, but it's implicit in their actions as they rebel from God going, hmm, maybe this will make us wise and get us beyond who you are, God. And instead of rest, the world is then ushered into chaos and disorder. All of a sudden, you have a husband and wife turning on each other. She made me do it. The serpent made me do it. And they're naked and now ashamed, once naked and unashamed, bearing their whole lives together. Now there's this moment of embarrassment, shamefulness that's brought into their lives, passed on from generation to generation, taking on their own independence. God's plan is not done, though. He still wants restful presence with his people. This is part of the biblical narrative, the story arc of God. From Genesis to where we are now to new creation, it's this idea of God dwelling, resting with his people. And what he does with Israel is he goes as far as to actually command rest. This idea is given to them in the Sinai covenant of I want you to stop and be at peace with me. Check this out in Exodus chapter 34, part of the story of God. Verses 21 through 24. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest time you shall rest. That means even when you can make hay, you got to stop for a day. Even when it's good, I want you to slow down, not just when it's convenient or easy. You shall observe the feast of weeks, the first fruits of harvest, and the feast of gathering the year's end. He says, also, I've set a time time for you to party, to hang out, to get together with your friends, to take a break from the strain of work and the pressure of life. Three times in the year shall all you males appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel, for our cast out nations before you, enlarge your borders, and so on and so forth. This was God partnering with Israel, making a covenant with them. Now, if you understand the Old Testament and you begin to look into it, you'll see separate covenants that are made. You've got the Adamic covenant, you've got the Noahic covenant, you've got the Abrahamic covenant, and now we move into this Mosaic or Sinai covenant that God is saying, Israel, if you do this, this is how I'm going to respond. If you do not do this, this is what's going to happen. These covenants that God is making with Israel, they're signs that they are his people. They are signs that they are his people, much like that of circumcision. Rest was to be a mark on the people of God. 
You, unlike the rest of the world who's always working to get ahead, who's always trying to get more and amass land and become something, I want you to cease from labor and trust in me. This is part of what it means to be my covenant people. And by keeping the Sabbath, God's people entered into this seven-day rhythm of work and joyful rest. The seventh day pointed them to what God did and to being his people. However, in rejecting it, it would not go well for them. In 2 Chronicles 36, 21, it says, To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths, all the days of its desolation, it kept Sabbath until 70 years were completed. So God had established this covenant with Israel about rest. And he says, I want you, knowing you, to slow down, to exhale, to breathe. Now, we're not Israel, are we? We're not under those same covenants. I mean, today, I mixed cotton with wool. Oh, now, if you read in the Old Testament, they were not supposed to do that. There's also a host of all these other rules and laws, and it can become confusing, and you're going, which ones do I do? Which ones don't I do? How, how do I even know? How do I make sense of all this, especially revolving around this idea of Sabbath and rest? Now, what we do know for us is I'm not under the Sinai covenant, but as a follower of Jesus, the new covenant. And this is what Jesus says about Sabbath and rest. Turn over to Mark. This is great. Chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 23 through 28. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. And on the Sabbath, he was going through their grain fields and they made their way. His disciples began to pluck heads of grain and the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you ever read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. He gave it to those who were with him, and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. In our contemporary Christian culture, the idea of Sabbath has a pretty bad rap around it because it can appear that Jesus spoke somewhat, I wouldn't even want to say against it or negatively about it, but for some reason we choose to draw those concepts and ideas from Jesus. If you actually follow the life of Jesus, he would go to synagogue on Sabbath and he would teach on Sabbath, he heals on Sabbath, he does some great things, but he never breaks Sabbath or breaks apart from Sabbath, does he? So he's not negative towards it. But Jesus does say something to them about Sabbath and rest. You have made this about the day and not about the reason the day was created for you. You are not partaking in something that God has graciously given you, the ability to slow down, to breathe, to be human, to enjoy my creation. And so there's been a lot of misconstrued ideas from culture over time. And what Jesus is actually inviting us into when he says, look, Sabbath was, we were not made for the day. The day was made for us. He's saying it's a lot like your daily vitamin. 
you take a daily vitamin, why do you do it? It's made for you. It's made for your health. It's made for your well-being. But they had turned it into this humane dimension in which they put all these rules and constructed ideas around it. Actually, in the Maccabean time period, this is very intriguing. They wouldn't even fight on Sabbath till they got their butts kicked in a war because the enemies attacked on Sabbath day. Then they changed the rules. We can go to war now on Sabbath. They had laws that were made from human inventions in order to not break the Sabbath, to not dishonor God. They came up with all kinds of rules and ideas around it. Why? To honor God, but it became so strenuous for the people that the day was no longer enjoyed. They couldn't partake in it the way that God had designed for humans to partake in it. And so when we look at Jesus and what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, look, you You get this day of rest. It's an invitation into it. So the question is, as Christians, do we have to keep the Sabbath? The short answer is no. As Tom Schreiner points out, we expect the Sabbath to no longer be enforced since it was the covenant sign of the Mosaic Covenant. It's clear that believers are no longer under the Sinai Covenant. Colossians 2.16, Therefore do not let anyone judge you what you eat or drink. Or with regard to religious festivals, new moons, celebration, or Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. In Romans 14.5, one may consider one day more sacred than the other. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his mind. So what is the culmination of this? What does this actually mean for us? It means two things here this morning. Number one, Jesus points beyond a Sabbath day. Jesus truly is the fulfillment of this. The second thing that it points us to is there is an invitation to actually rest. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you worn out? Are you exhausted from the pressures of this world? What would it be like to have the freedom to say, I'm going to rest? It's really intriguing. In Matthew 12, these same set of stories are told about Jesus healing on the Sabbath and the Pharisees getting uptight and upset. And just prior to that, Matthew gives us this little excerpt of something Jesus said. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy heavy laden, for I will give you rest. Take my yoke that you learn from me upon yourself, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Inner rest, peace is met in Jesus. Matthew is very clear in what he's trying to communicate here. Are you tired today? Are you exhausted? Are you worn out? Your soul craves a deeper rest than what a vacation can give you. A soulful rest is found in Jesus Christ. Ultimate rest. In Hebrews, there's an invitation from chapter 4, verse 1, all the way through verse 11 that invites us into this deep rest. And what he's inviting us into, the author of Hebrews is saying, there is a seventh day that has never ended, and that is in Jesus Christ. A Sabbath rest for the people of God. Because he ceased from his labor, from his work on the cross. He Sabbathed. And then giving us his presence, God nuox, that word from Genesis, he nuox with us. Jesus ushered in the promise of these two things. So here's how I want to end this morning for us. 
Jesus invites us into a purposeful rest for our lives. Sabbath is merciful and has reason behind it. It points to Jesus and it gives us a rhythm for our lives, for people who are worn out and tired. And this idea of Sabbath actually breaks arms with what the world tells us with what everything going on outside says. For example, everything on outside says, you're going to be defined by your work. I'm not just talking about where you make your money, but all your accomplishments. You're going to be defined whether or not you are a great parent or a terrible parent. You're going to be defined whether or not you succeeded in your hobbies. You're going to be defined by how much money you did or didn't make. So you better work 24-7, and that is exhausting. You're going to be defined by what you possess, by what you drive down the road, by what you have. This is what the world speaks into our lives. This is why social media is so addictive. And it's so enticing because it's a way for us to showcase how great our life is, our marriages, our family is. All the while, it's masking, it's a thin veneer over what's really going on in our lives because people over and over again are saying, we are beat up, we are tired, and I can't take one more terrible phone call because it will absolutely wreck my mental health. I am exhausted and worn out, yet I have to keep putting something forth because that's what I'm defined by. Or the world says, you need more. You need more. And do you know what Sabbath does? It says, no. It's a resistance. And it says, I'm defined by God, not my work. You are defined by God, not your work this morning. You can be rich in here, you can be poor in here, you can have much, you can have little, you can be somewhere in between. You can be successful in other accomplishments or you can be an utter failure and God gives you a rest because he says, you're my child. You're my child and you will not be defined by anything other than what I tell you. He says, I will give you rest. You're tired of just going, going, going for what? Why? To get more? I will give you rest from that. Start to take a daily rhythm, or excuse me, a weekly rhythm of one day of saying, Lord, I will be content with all that you have given me. Missy Takano from the Bible Project says, this is not a commandment we are bound to. It's a promise we're invited to. Sabbath rest is an invitation to practice for eternity. It's where we regularly, intentionally engage God in God's rule and reign in our heart and on earth. John Mark writes in The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, the Hebrew word Shabbat means to stop. It can be translated to delight. It, is this, it has this dual idea of stopping and also joining God in our lives in his word. The Sabbath is an entire day set aside to follow God's example, to stop and delight Listen, delight in the world, in our lives in it, and above all, in God himself. Okay? This is kind of the theology and the idea behind the invitation to rest. It's not a command, church, but it's an invitation. So how I want to end is just practically, how do we engage in this idea of rest? Does it mean I have to attend church service every weekend, turning off all my work emails, 
Do I have to volunteer here or somewhere else down at Bethlehem Inn or another soup kitchen or something of that nature? Does it mean you have to observe the Sabbath? Listen, it could certainly contain those activities. By all means, sure, yes. And it could take place on the same day every week or it can be a different day. But the whole idea that the invitation is about is inviting you into finding a way to create a rhythm of rest for your life. And the only way you're going to do this is if you plan well for it. So you take one thing from this morning. You might forget all the theology and the ideas behind rest. How many of you who are going to work tomorrow have your work day planned? I I know I do. I've got like three or four things in my calendar. I know what I'm doing in between those things. I plan all my work days. How many of you actually plan your day of rest? None of us do. We're just kind of like, I don't know. And we get all paranoid and freaked. And then we waste our day of rest if we have one. To actually plan a day of rest. And here are some ideas, because if you plan something, you then protect it. It's blocked out on your schedule. This is my day to actually be rejuvenated and feel alive again. Listen, this day of rest, it could look like my day yesterday. Yesterday morning, woke up, slept in. Sergio, your coffee, thank you. Awesome, at home, delicious. Then I destroyed my kids at Monopoly. I did all the wheeling and dealing. It was so unfair. It felt so good to crush 11, 9, 7, and 6-year-olds. I just felt like the man. Then we played Mario Kart for a good two and a half hours. What a waste. No, my kids and I, we just engaged with one another. And I smoked them at that too, don't worry. Still got it. My wife had a, a friend of ours over from, she used to be in our youth group, and she's getting married, and she's helping with her makeup, and she spent time with this gal, and they laughed together in our kitchen, and she spent time with her. And then we went over to some of our best friend's homes that evening, and we just sat around as our kids ran and played and had a very informal dinner. And I told my wife, that's rest. That's rest. We traveled further than the 20 miles we maybe should have. I had technology on. We watched a show that evening. But you see, for me, that is a restful, peaceful day that God has actually said, I want you to partake in this. And for some of you, Sabbath might look different. Get your kayaks and go to the lake. Go for a hike in the mountains. Sleeping in, brunch, naps, spending time, though, with God, thanking him, honoring him. This is what God invites us into. And I want to invite our church into this. I want you to plan your days of rest. And I want you to follow through with them. Mark them out. Block them off. This is, this is very important. Finally, and this is it, I promise. This is not like the fake finally. I do promise. We do think that rest is really important. And because of that, even our church has created some rhythms of rest. Um, For those of you who don't know, we are an elder-ran, elder-led church, so there's a handful of people that are um, leading, praying, overseeing, making decisions, meeting with people. Um, And what we noticed in the church was a few just years ago that elders get tired. They handle a lot of situations that are heavy, They're the first people I call when there's deaths in the church. When I need to pour my heart out to them because I sat next to a stillborn or there's an infant fatality 
or there's a grandmother passing. And I get just exhausted and overwhelmed, not in a bad way, but in a way where I go, these are the people that are invited into a lot of these situations. And what we noticed was our elders get tired as they're also making decisions. So we created a system in which they'd be on for two years, and they'll be then off for a year, and then come back. They're welcome to come back and serve for three more years. We're getting ready to make a transition on that. So I'm just sharing with you guys. This is a natural on-ramp and off-ramp for our leadership. Um, not, not only that for our church, uh, but for me personally, as I've shared the last couple of weeks that I've preached, I've been in ministry for, shoot, almost 19 years. I know, way too young. Uh, my wife even posted a picture when I used to have a chin, because this was shaved. <laughs> and so after 19 years, um, our elders have decided to give me a two-week sabbatical, or two-month, pardon me, sabbatical this summer. Woo! So I'm going to be experiencing a time of intensified longevity kind of rest with June and July away as we're bringing in great teachers and people to speak. We actually want to take this serious, this idea of rest. We want to invite others into this idea of rest and what it looks like. And it's going to look different for everybody. But as we celebrate rest, we celebrate what God has done in creation, in making us, and living into that seventh day that he has given. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your kindness. Thank you that there's rest in Jesus. Thank you that the world can be chaotic and filled with all kinds of noise and problems, yet there is peace and hope and solace in you. Today, we pray that you'd fill our hearts with joy, that we'd feel your rest today and take advantage of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're new here, what we're going to do is we're going to enter into a time of response, as Michael talked about. And this time of response is going to involve, if you're a follower of Jesus, come to the tables, hold on to that, grab the the cup there, the the juice there, and the body, the bread there, and go back to your seats. And uh, we're going to pray over that together. There's an offering box to give to what God is doing here. It's in the back. But here's the reality. This is the time to respond to God and to say, Lord, I am weary. I'm tired. And I heard there's rest in you. I want to receive that rest in you, that soul rest, that peace, that hope. And then to actually physically at times step into that kind of rest because it's a wonderful invitation that God invites you to experience his peace, his trust in that moment. So if you'd all stand with me, we're going to sing. The tables are going to be open.